if your heart is not primed and ready for this message after the service, I mean, the piano player, Chelsea couldn't even, she lost her place because she was back here slain in the spirit. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Uh, it, I hope that worship has ministered to you today. How many of you, it was a blessing, even though it was too loud? <laughs> uh, but I, I just, it's all about, we're working through it. it. It's all about the word of God. He became flesh. The word became flesh. Jesus Christ is the word of God manifest among us. We look to the life of simply Jesus for our lives, for our meaning, for our thought, for our child rearing. This is going to drive me crazy. Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, It's just him. When we study the word of God, the word of God reveals to us how we are supposed to live. How many know that uh, we are living in troubled times? And, and <laughs> the problem with, cho- and I'm going to just quickly hit this, and then I'm going to jump in. Um, the problem with choosing sides on any argument, on any issue, is that you're on one side and someone else is what? That's the problem. But see, when you choose Jesus, you love your what? Your enemies. If you can just for a second see the cross in view and put your biased opinions aside and take his position, a cross-like position, you won't have enemies. You won't have opposing viewpoints because you will always defer to them. You will always lay down your life. God help persecution if it gets here. I'm, I'm <laughs> commanded by Scripture to understand the difference when someone's attacking my family because they're trying to steal something and when someone's attacking, attacking our family because of our faith. And, and <laughs> we're commanded by Scripture to endure. Yes or no? One second. Okay, we're good. I'm dying up here. So it's going to take some discernment. If we're going to live in 2019, it's, as Christians, it's going to take some discernment, okay? We're going to have to be better than the status quo. We're, we're going to have to be better than showing up an hour, hour and a half a week. Do you understand? It's just not going to work. You're going to have to live in the workplace... <laughs> The way Jesus wants you to live if you're going to actually be a Christian and make a difference. You can play church, but when the rubber meets the road and suffering and persecution and when real life issues settle in, that's what's going to say whether or not you're a Christ follower or not. It's not whether you're here on Sunday, it's how you deal with it Monday through Saturday. So I'm here to give you the tools, to give you the scriptures necessary to make it to be a Christ follower, a cross bearer, so that I was, I was a shepherd, I was an under shepherd under Jesus, and I, I did right by the word of God, I studied, I studied hard for this message, I put it in perspective for you, and the rest is up to you and God. You can choose, if you want to choose a side instead of choosing Jesus, that's fine, but you're going to give an account. How many of you know that you're going to stand before God one day? I'm going to give an account for this church, 
man, the pastor, the this, the that. Before you judge, understand that I'm going to stand before God. I believe this because I believe the word of God. I'm going to stand in front of God and give an account for every soul that came in the doors of this church because that's how God views the body of Christ in local factions called local churches. And i got to stand there and remember your names and say, why did you handle that situation that way? I'm sorry, God, my flesh got in the way. No, no, my political view, uh, my... God forbid my lust got in the way. And some pastors are going to feel that one. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. God forbid you be a hireling and you take advantage of the flock of God. I take my job seriously. So understand that you have to give an account for your life and, and your family. Do you want this truth or not? Do you want to choose Jesus or not? Do you want to go do it on your own or not? It's not Pastor Matt's way. It's Jesus' way. Well, I put in my time. This isn't for you. Please go somewhere else. Go put your time in somewhere else because I'm not going to give an account for someone who's putting their... I'm not going to be your, your, you know, your ticket puncher. I'm not the guy at the theater. Yeah, they walk through. <laughs> I punched your ticket, God. They did tithe. <laughs> I mean, and God forbid some of you don't even contribute. And so I know they're here punching a clock, but they're not even contributing because it's not really theirs yet. And I'm okay with that. 110% okay with that. Why? Because you are going to what? Give an account. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I just got to stand here and preach the word of God and let you know that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man and the end thereof is the what? Way of death. But if you choose death now, oh, If you choose cross, death, bearing, the cross is a picture of what? Death. If you choose it now, whosoever shall lose his life for what? My sake shall find it. I'm officially into my message. Buckle up. It's about to get real. Luke 9, 23 through 27. And then we're going to handle another passage of scripture. Jesus is coming out of the feeding of the 5,000. He's with his disciples alone in that desert place. He's trying to explain to them true ministry. And he is saying to them, I am going to the cross. I am going to give my life. And they're just struggling with that concept. They're struggling with cross bearing. They're struggling with this idea. Set up your kingdom now, Jesus. Set it up now. Can somebody grab me a bottle of water out of that back room? God help, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Set it up now. And and Jesus looked at them and said over and over, I have to be about my father's business. This is something that I have to do. Did his disciples get it up until that point? No. Something extraordinary is about to happen in this text. The most, um, thank you so much. The most amazing thing, thank you so much, is about to happen. And I hope that you feel the weight of this passage. I hope it hits you square between the numbers. And that you accept it for what it is. Because there's going to be a moment in your life, a watershed moment, when God is telling you what to do over and over and over, and you haven't, you haven't accepted it, but then when you just get it, and you just accept it, and you own it, and then the rest of your life, you're, you're on the way. You're just as you are with Him. I hope that's today. Luke 9, 23 through 27. Listen fast, I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to have to turn into an auctioneer. And He said to them all, If a man will come after me, let him, what is it? Deny himself. 
Take up his cross daily and follow me. This is after he's rebuked the multitudes. A period of time has elapsed between the feeding of the 5,000. He's told Peter, who am I to you? You're the son of God, Peter said. Remember from last week? You're the son of God. Everybody else is looking at me for a piece of bread. But I am the bread of life. And now that's where we pick it up. He said, if you want to follow me, if you want the bread of life, if you want living water, deny yourself. Con permiso. You didn't know I knew Spanish. That's my wife. Comes from her side. For whosoever will save his life, this is a crazy concept. Get it. Own this. For my sake, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. That seems so weird. That seems so backwards. For what is a man advantage? And Jesus goes on the ultimate hyperbole here. I love this. If he gain the whole world and lose himself and be cast away. Oh, church. Oh, church. He said, what if a man gets everything that he ever wanted out of life? but loses life at the end when he slips into eternity. What was in an advantage? So, so, so if you're sitting here in the pews, think about it. Everything, Mo, that you're striving for. Everything. I'm striving for this, for that. If God just went ahead and said, here it is and gave it to you, what would it profit you if that's all that you had? Whosoever shall lose what he wants shall gain what he does not have, and that's eternal life. Do you understand the context? Woo! For whosoever shall be ashamed of me, of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. That's scary. That's scary. When he shall come in his own glory, that's key to what's about to happen in the passage in a minute. You see, the disciples had only pictured him as human being. They heard stories of the Shekinah glory coming into the temple and consuming the sacrifice in the holiest of holies, and they knew that they were serving the one true God. But up until this point, they had only seen Jesus do miracles. They didn't really own it yet, right? But I tell you of a truth that there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. God is about to pull back the curtain and show them the kingdom of God. But we're not there yet. Listen to this. I made this statement at the end of my message last week. Are you still asking yourself how Jesus can improve your life? Or is Jesus your life? Church, are you still asking yourself this morning how Jesus can improve your life? Or is Jesus your life? No time for distractions. Stay with me. Is Jesus your life? Listen to this. These words are incredible. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up. That to be low is to be high. That the broken heart is the healed heart. That the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit. That the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. That to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. Let me find thy light in my darkness. Thy life in my death. Thy joy in my sorrow. Thy grace in my sin. Thy riches in my poverty. Thy glory in my humiliation. Valley of vision. Mark 10, 17, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeled to him and asked, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That was the rich young man. 
What did Jesus say to him? Go sell all that you have and what? Follow me. He wanted Jesus on his terms, watch this, without self-denial. Remember the other passage where he said, I must go take care of my father? What's the context? His father was about to die. And at the end, in their culture, when the father died, he gave the what? The blessing. He gave a blessing to the, the son who was to receive it, which was the inheritance. It's the same story. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Follow me. Jesus is concerned with you being concerned with Him and not yourself. Your heart, your inner seat. Jeremiah 29, stay... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't get ahead of yourself. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I'm asking you to live Christ today. If you're bearing His cross, you're living Christ. Paul says that what was his life is no more. He lives presently in Christ. Simply what? Jesus. Jeremiah 29.13 And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You know that in the place of your heart that is deceitfully wicked, that is materialistic, when your inner seat of your emotions longs for the Savior, you're doing something right. When your character, what you are when no one is around, is revealing to you that you desire a personal relationship with Jesus, you're losing your life. You're living Christ. Listen to this. Oh my goodness. Another word from from a preacher of the past. When you are forgotten or neglected, or purposefully said it not, and do not sting or hurt with the insult of the oversight, but your heart is happy being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is dying to self. When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, or yourself, but take it all patient, lovingly silent, That is dying to self. When you lovingly, patiently bear any disorder and irregularity and impunctuality or any annoyance when you come face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility and endure it as Jesus endured it, it, that is what? Dying to self. When you are content with any food, any offering, any raiment, any climate, any society, any solitude, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to self. When you never refer to yourself in conversation or to record your own good works or itch after commendation when you can truly love to go unknown, that is dying to self. When you can see your brother or sister have his or her needs met and can honestly rejoice in your spirit and can feel no envy nor question Question God while your own needs are far greater and more desperate in circumstance. That is dying to self when you can receive correction, reproof from one of less stature than yourself and can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising up in your heart. That is dying to self. Church, how are we doing? Goodness gracious, the cap is on the water. How are we doing? Are we getting it right? Are we bearing His cross? Or is that moment of insignificance too much for you to bear? 
I just can't stand it when they tell me what to do. They don't know what they're talking about. You're not bearing a cross. God is going to use that moment of insignificance to be significant in someone that is not on the way, not on the path. If you were having trouble with this concept, let me pull back the curtain, because so were the disciples. Just set up your kingdom now. Why do we have to take trash from the Romans? Why do we have to take abuse? Why do they come and lord over our colonies and over our worship? Let's just take back now. <laughs> Luke 9, 28-36, And it came to pass, here's the next passage in our scripture, about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James and went up in the mountain to pray. And <laughs> this is crazy. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was what? Altered. And his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease. What did they have trouble with? Jesus going to the what? And what was the topic of conversation on the mountain transfiguration? Jesus going to the what? They spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. The Greek word connotates that it was forced upon them. Some form of a trance that they were put into. And it came to pass, heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, listen, this is classic Peter. As they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Right? Is is it okay? Let's make you three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. What are the next two words? I'll spend my whole ministry telling the church to just hear him. Church. Just listen for Jesus. He's got it all under control. He'll tell you. Come to me for counsel. And you know what I'm going to tell you? Just hear him. I'm wrecked with this scripture right now. Hear him. This is my beloved son. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close. Told no man in those days and of those things which they had seen. First of all, don't miss this, church. Don't miss this. The facts are that according to Jewish law, there had to be three, two to three witnesses. They didn't tell anybody because the significance of the story would not be as significant until after his resurrection. So after his resurrection, Peter, James, and John then say, guess what, I had a glimpse of the kingdom. And because there is three of them that witnessed it, every other Jew that heard it would say, they're telling the truth. I believe Scripture because Scripture would stand up in a court of law. If there was a crime committed and there were three witnesses standing there that went to court and testified about the crime that they saw, who would win the case? Whoever they were what? Representing. It wasn't happenstance. Every time there was a significant epoch in Jesus' life, it was, it was there with three witnesses. He was seen by 400 after His resurrection. 
The Bible would stand up in court. There were men of multiple uh, cultures and multiple viewpoints politically that saw it, that viewed it, and they said, it's true. That's why I believe it. This happened not because we have faith and believe. Yes, but we have faith and believe because it's a fact. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, you three, you're coming with me. According to Jewish law, it happened because there were witnesses what we see here is these three men that were struggling with the concept of cross-bearing. Stay with me. Three men that were having a hard time thinking of how they were going to explain this one to their spouses. <laughs> you know what I mean. And God said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. They were wanting the kingdom now and all its benefits. They were putting the crown before the cross. Set up your kingdom. And Jesus said, I must needs go to Jerusalem. He set his face, Isaiah describes, like a flint towards the cross. Church, it's just funny to me hearing Peter's, I feel like you need a break for a second and I'm about to finish, but Peter wakes up, he's a little groggy. He's like, Moses! Oh my goodness, guys! Do you understand that Jude says, you've got to read the Bible. Jude says that Michael the archangel and the devil wrestled over Moses' body. Do you understand that? They wrestled over Moses' body so that he could not be buried where the Jews knew he was buried. Why? Because they would have what? Worshipped him. The law of Moses. Moses, the one who led us out of captivity. Let's exalt him. When he passed away, the Bible says literally, God was like, yo, Michael, go down and get my man's body. And they wrestled for it. And he was like, uh, thumped him. Give me that. Michael is the man, right? Michael is the, the Greg Hensler, the Jimmy Ryder of the angel family. You understand what I'm saying? He's like, give me that body, yo. Boom, got him. Put Moses in his pocket, went back up, buried him over there. Why? Because they were, he gave the law, the Mosaic law, and he would have been so revered, so worshipped. So here's Peter, all his life, learning of Moses and Jewish law, and he wakes up, and there's his hero. Let's set up three tabernacles, because not only was Moses there, Elijah was there, the most prolific prophet of all time, the one who was responsible for hundreds of false prophets, uh, according to the prophet Baal, where they pretty much were slain and killed after, after Elijah called down fire from heaven and consumed up all that water in the altar, because he served the one what? True God. So here you have two men. And there's this, like, discussion panel. They were having a conference call. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? He sees two guys. Jesus literally goes like this and unzips a fifth dimension. And there stood (laughs) these men. And they were recognizable. That tells us that when we're in our glorified bodies, I'm going to know you as you. I'm going to know you as you. Why? Because we see that here in the kingdom. Jesus was saying, do you understand what you're living for? You can't get the cross. You can't get my death. You can't get cross-bearing out of your head. I need to show them something, Father. Father, I need to pull back the curtain a little bit and give them a little glimpse of what they're living for. Mm. 
And even in that moment, Peter's like, and you get a tabernacle, and you get a tabernacle, and you get a tabernacle. Let's do this thing now. No one will ever believe it. This is amazing. I saw Moses. I saw Elijah. And Jesus, I told you. And then he was like, is it okay for me to be here? <laughs> That's what he said. Is it okay? Like, Peter, I love that guy. That's, that's me right there. You know what I mean? Is this okay? <laughs> and then as soon as he's saying, like, is it cool to be here? What happens? A cloud comes in. And then it says they were skirt. <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, Lord, I spoke up way too soon. And God in heaven, God in heaven said, he's my son. Just hear what he's saying. And that's it. The Mount of Transfiguration transformed those three men. From that point on, they knew that the coming kingdom was only through the path of the cross. And the veil was pulled back. I just wish that as a church, I could look at each one of you and just, like on Cinderella, the fairy godmother, I wish I could just pull that junk open and be like, do you, hey, do you guys know that there's a host of angels right here? <laughs> Since my wife and I have taken on this role, it has been nonstop. Just <laughs> nonstop. But you know what? Cross-bearing. I'm good with it. Why? Because I've heard Jesus. The curtain's been pulled back, and I'm, I'm Peter. The word of God, the Bible says, is a more sure word. I believe it. It's real. If I could just ask you the question, do you hear Jesus? Will, will you even listen? Because what he has for you is a cross. I, I want to preach prosperity gospel because I heard that it gets pastors like mansions and Bentleys and stuff. And, you know, deep down, yeah, my flesh. Dude, these guys aren't full enough. I read an article this week. This pastor buys his wife a Lamborghini. First of all, and, and the people who are the closest to me understand this, like, we're going to, if we get a ton of money, what are we going to go do? We're going to go start a what? A ton more churches. We're going to go buy more places. And we're going to have more pastors. I'm just going to be like, God, please bring people so that we can train them. And like our money should be invested in the kingdom, in cross bearing. Let me tell you, I bought, I bought my wife that as a husband. Okay, well, you were a fool as a husband. <laughs> I didn't buy that as a pastor. I bought that as a husband. Look, I'm all for everyone having nice things. I am. I'm not against having nice things. My, my wife and I were talking about it yesterday. It's okay. Like, but there is, there is living for those things, and then there is channeling those things for the sake of the kingdom. I just don't, I don't track with that. I just don't. First of all, anyway, I, you get what I'm saying. Why am I pulling back the curtain? I'm not pulling it back to preach prosperity. I'm pulling it back to preach the gospel. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, as followers of Jesus, will you accept the cross this morning instead of the crown? That's the question. The cross, instead of everybody wants the crown. 
Everything's a ladder to everybody. Let's climb it. Four, four things, just listen here. How, what, what, does, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? People want someone who's always real, not someone who's always what? Right. So this spells real. Number one, when Jesus is your reason for living. How do you know you're a true disciple of Jesus? How do you know you're living for the cross, bearing the cross, and not the crown? And I'm not talking about the crowns that he's going to throw, but that happens in perspective. Right now, deny yourself. Take up his cross. When Jesus is the reason for living. Number two, when Jesus is the expression of your joy. How many of you watch, what is it, Marie Kondo? Tidying up, the art of tidying up on Netflix. Anybody? Come on, man. You got, where are you all at? You know what I'm saying? It's 2019. Wake up and get some plastic containers that are clear and organize your stuff, okay? Uh, <laughs> y'all living under rocks. Uh, no, just kidding. Marie Kondo, right? She's like Japanese and she, the art of tidying up. And she comes into these people's homes where stuff is everywhere. And she tidies up. And she asks them, I love this. She says, take all of your stuff and put it in one big pile. And you hold it one at a time. And if it brings you joy, I said that wrong. If it sparks, (laughs) if it sparks joy, you keep it. If it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it. Okay. So when Jesus is your expression of joy, if you're Marie Kondo, you're looking to your things to hold and say... Does this spark joy? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Does this mic spark joy? Does my car spark, spark joy? I'm going to go out and hold it. Does this shirt spark joy? We're trained to be materialistic. Let me ask you this question. Hey, hey, hey. Does Jesus spark joy? How do I know if I'm bearing the cross? Is he your expression? Is he your reason for living? Is he your expression of joy? (laughs) Is Jesus the advantage in your disadvantage? When you are put in a place of disadvantage, do you give him the advantage? This is a moment. This is a time when he is going to use this trial for his good. Is he the advantage in your disadvantage? And last thing, when Jesus is the love source that never stops. How do you know if you're a real true disciple? A real true cross bearer? Is he your reason for living? Expression of joy? Advantage in your disadvantage? And your love source that never stops? We need a vision of Jesus in our lives, church. Do you agree? We... We need a vision of Jesus high and lifted up on the cross. We need a vision of Jesus from an empty tomb alive. We need a vision of Jesus in our lives this morning. We need to see Him transformed instead of asking Him ooh, to transform our lives. How about you see Jesus transformed? It was at that moment that the disciples said, I saw the transformation that I needed. Don't don't transform my living situation, Jesus. Jesus, you don't need to bring about your kingdom now. I'm listening to you. I'm submitting to you in my life, which means I'm going to bear a cross. Mm. Bear the cross. Wear the crown later. Let me ask you this question. Will 
Will you bear the cross, church? Will you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you bear the cross?